0: Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast
1: Radio. Well, it's hard to believe that in the midst of the pandemic, just nine examinership applications were made by Irish companies during 2020. This is an artificially low number, which does little to reflect the number of companies facing into precarious insolvency situations. With this in mind, Neil Hughes, the Managing Partner with Baker Tilly, joins me now to explain some of the options that are available to worried business owners. Neil, start by reminding us about the areas in which Baker Tilly specialises.
0: Good morning, Carl. Great to talk to you. Yeah, um, Baker Tilly is a fairly broad-based accounting and professional services firm. So we would have sort of the normal sort of services you'd associate with a professional services financial practice, such as accounting and audit and tax. Um, I suppose my own day job would be in terms of restructuring, helping businesses that find themselves in difficulty, um, I suppose giving people hope, giving some hope to businesses that might be struggling, uh, giving them some options, and and I suppose hoping to rescue them ultimately so that ultimately we can save as many viable enterprises as we can.
1: 2020 was a tumultuous year for most businesses, but what are your clients now saying to you?
0: Well, I tell you what, what, 2020 was a, a year like no other. I, I suppose we've we've never seen anything like it we have a sort of a, a false economy for the last what 10 11 months now whereby there's a huge amount of money being poured into the economy by the government and that of course has to stop at some stage so it's it's very i mean history is going to look back on 2020 as being a bizarre year from just from an economic point of view because a massive economic shock but yet very few businesses have actually at this stage have failed or have uh, found themselves in really dire financial straits because of those subsidies. And the government have been generous, in fairness, and in many ways, in terms of the employment subsidies, the CRSS, the, the rates waivers, and so on. So, I mean, I think what our clients are saying to us, just to answer your question, is that there is a concern there that, you know, what is it going to look like? What is the economy going to look like? And what is their business going to look like as soon as those subsidies are removed? And I suppose we're talking... April, May, June, that sort of time, when the summer uh, comes in, if you're looking at a not a normal tourism season, which is obviously in the southeast, we're, we're heavily exposed to the tourism sector. So if we don't have that kind of a normal tourist season, what is that going to look like? Um, I've never had as many inquiries, I have to say, Carl, in my career. I mean, I'm at this now for 28 years or so I've been in practice. Um, and just for the last few months, there has never been the level of inquiries, from the point of view of worried business owners, about what the future might hold.
1: And of course, I suppose that worry is coming about from the fact that lots of these businesses have gone through a number of lockdown periods. But in the background of all of that, Neil, there are massive liabilities building to landlords and of course the revenue as well, because tens of thousands of businesses have availed of the tax warehousing scheme that the revenue have offered.
0: That's right. Um, And this is this kind of false economy that we're talking about. We are in a period now of mass creditor forbearance. From revenue from you know landlords and a lot of trade suppliers likewise and indeed the banks um and it, that that kind of sort of false sense out there is perhaps lulling businesses maybe into a false sense of security because i think the best advice we could probably give businesses anybody that's listening today is to start planning for the recovery phase right now you know i mean the the initial shock the initial impact of this you know this is now it's nearly going on a year carl so i mean, you know, this, this talk about the new normal, this is not new anymore. This is the way it's been now for the last almost one year. So if business owners have not started planning now for what it's going to look like in the recovery phase, then they could find themselves badly caught out. Um, and, it, you know, Carl, I think surviving the recovery is going to be just as important, if not as, as important as surviving the original impact of COVID-19. It's going to be the next couple of years because, Carl, there's always a lag Over the lag, the same thing back in the last recession. I don't know if you remember. It was you know, 2008 was when things started to go wrong in the Irish economy. That's when Anglo went bust. Uh, But it was really through 2000, end of nine, 2009, through 2010, 11, 12. They were the really bad years in the Irish economy. That's when things really hit the bottom. So there's a lag. It could be a lag of a year or two. I think we'll see the same again, Um, but might be different though this time. At that that time, that's an important uh, differentiating factor now. At least we have a functioning banking system to help the recovery. On the last occasion, you know, banks were going bust left, right and centre. It was a wasteland when it came to the financial institutions in in Ireland. That's not the case now. We've got challenger banks, we've got private equity, stronger pillar banks than we had then. So I would be hopeful if businesses can get themselves properly positioned, properly restructured with the proper plans in place, that they should be better placed to try and bounce back and recover from uh, COVID-19.
1: And of course, we have to be encouraged by the way the economy is recovering both in New Zealand and in Australia. But I do want you to share your advice, Neil, this morning with our listeners in relation to that taxed warehouse debt that they've accumulated Absolutely. since February of last year.
0: OK, so there's going to be a couple of different cohorts of businesses there. There were some businesses that had a really strong 2018 and 19, early 20s, say, and they would have come into the crisis with reasonably strong reserves. They may have warehoused their debt as a kind of a safety net, on the basis that they really weren't sure what the future holds. But they're actually in not a bad position. And uh, th- those sorts of businesses, I think, should be able to speak to revenue and to, say, for example, landlords, if they've done a deal with landlords, and they should be able to get back on track with a payment plan which would catch up with those taxes fairly quickly, if not immediately. If there's you know some degree of certainty as to you know the vaccination programme having worked and that business is getting back to normal, like you say in Australia and New Zealand, who's quite right, so I think that's the, maybe the first cohort. But there is then going to be another cohort of businesses, and they are the ones who would have been vulnerable coming into the crisis. They would have been perhaps struggling, maybe didn't have as good the last couple of years, very little in the way of cash reserves, and maybe didn't do a deal or a positive deal with their landlord, which is really a common denominator now for a huge amount of retail and restaurant businesses and you know bars, pubs and so on. They, that landlord debt... Um, what we're seeing out there, again, at the coalface, what we're seeing is that landlords would have been very supportive in Q2 of 2020, and that was because the landlords themselves had a break from their bank. But now those moratoria are more or less gone, and the landlords are, are in now with their hands out and waiting for those arrears to be paid. There are There is going to be a cohort of businesses, Carl, that are, are vulnerable, and it's for those businesses that may need to look at other more formal restructuring options to try and get them through to the far end of this crisis.
1: And are you expecting a wave of insolvencies once the government do lift the relevant supports that are currently on offer?
0: There's going to be a huge increase. Like, There's just no way around this because the insolvencies are at a really low level. And if you look at, for example, the number of uh, examinership cases that would have come successfully through examinership in in 2020, it was only at nine, nine groups of company in the entire economy. You know, this is in a an economy with 250,000 SMEs. I mean, it's it's an extraordinarily low figure. Um, and I think, likewise, liquidations and receiverships has only had a, a figure of in and around five or 600 in 2020. So it's a really, really artificially low number that we're looking at. And I'm, I'm just thinking, just in my experience, that that just cannot continue like that. It just can't because there's so many businesses under pressure. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking to them every day, some of these businesses. So... There is going to be an increase. And really, the question is, is whether or not people are going to have the options. They're going to be aware of the options um, that they have to try and bounce back from this. And that's why I was delighted, to, uh, you know, and I'm really happy to be talking to you this morning, Carl, because the more we can do as business people in the Southeast to, you know, spread the word about the fact that there are options there, there is hope for businesses, even if they find themselves struggling. Um, and just if they take advice, if they get the right advice, Well, then they can bounce back and hopefully never look back um, on COVID-19 and this crisis.
1: So what are the options for business owners that are facing potential and possible insolvency?
0: Yeah, well, I suppose Ireland's formal rescue process is examinership. And if a business finds itself that it can't trade through the difficulties, if it can't enter into kind of voluntary payment plans, and um, the current formal rescue process that we have in this country is examership. It's been responsible for saving over 16,000 jobs in the last 10 years, including 600 jobs last year. And, you know, many household names would have uh, gone through examership in recent years, especially in the retail and uh, restaurant sector, you know, including, you know, names as as big as, uh, for example, um, you know, the last year Cara Pharmacies, the pharmacy group, CompuB the computer retailers in you know, large restaurants, Fallon Burns, well-known restaurant group in Dublin. Uh, we would have taken them through examinership likewise. So there's been a lot of businesses would have used this, starting off in 1990 with the Goodman Group, but right through with lots of names in between, including Shamrock Grover's current champions of the uh, of the league, of the National League, the uh, Football League. So, you know, it is, it is there and there's not only examinership this year, but we're looking forward to in June. There's a new summary rescue process that's being brought in by the government. This is hot off the press now, Carl, because it's brand new um, and it's going to hopefully simplify examinership even more and make it less costly to implement. The idea being to take it out of the courts, to take examinership out of the courts and have it run by the companies themselves as a sort of voluntary process where creditors enter into a scheme of arrangement. So the details are still to be ironed out. I saw the um, minister responsible, uh, Mr. Troy, I think Robert Troy was... It came out during the week with a tweet in relation to work is being advanced now by the officials. So that's really good news, particularly for SMEs who may be concerned about the the legal cost of uh, a more formal process. So those options are there, Carl. And it's a case of, I suppose, if people can take the right advice, if they are struggling, they shouldn't lose hope because there are some options there. If your business is fundamentally viable, um, you should be able to bounce back.
1: Business owners in general, Neil, are familiar with the term examinership and receivership and liquidation, but they probably have this perception that examinership is only for the big companies. So they'll be delighted to hear this morning that there is a light process being made available outside of the courts. But how do you expect that to work?
0: Well, I mean, the the current process involves a, a judge supervising the restructuring of the company. Um, and that for larger companies, it's in the High Court in Dublin. And for SME businesses, it's in the circuit court. So, you know, we've had numerous circuit court examinerships in, in the court in Wexford, for example. So that's um, that's how examinership works. The summary rescue process is designed to try and take all of the features, the key features of, you know, the scheme of arrangement that's in examinership, but just, you know, make it a, a process that's run by the company itself. The, the authority that the process is going to give will mean that a company, if they need to try and uh, bring together creditors that are holding out, for example, to use that expression, you know, holdouts that you'd hear about, if you're going to have creditors dissenting, there is going to be a process whereby they can be brought together by an application to court. But the idea is that hopefully that will not be necessary in a lot of, in a lot of cases, that, um, you know, people will see the common sense that a business that is uh, allowed to survive and have some return to suppliers and creditors. It's far better than a liquidation. A liquidation is a, a disaster, Carl. That's what we need to avoid. As people in the in the southeast of Ireland, we were worst hit by the last recession. And we really need to do everything we possibly can to try and protect jobs in the southeast. You know, and that we need to have those mechanisms and the methodologies that we're talking about now to make sure that business owners can can avail of those and they're aware of them. They can implement them successfully.
1: I completely agree, Neil. But of course, in relation to examinership, while a very, very small percentage of businesses took the option of going through it when they were facing a level of insolvency in the past, the success rates through it are incredibly high, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they are. I mean, our experience in our office, I have to say, is in around 90%. I think the overall statistics over the past 30 years, I think it's 78%. I'm really sure I'm right in in, in saying that. Um, So they're very, very high. If if a business qualifies for examinership, it already has proven the fact that it's a viable enterprise because the first step of any examinership is to commission an independent expert's report to say, okay, this business is a good business. It's employing people in the local community and it deserves a second chance. And that's what examinership is. It's, It's a second chance for business owners who've been hit by a particular crisis. You know, it was last time it was the financial crisis. 2009, 2010, and this time it's the COVID crisis. So, so that's why it's there. You know, we are fortunate, Carl, that we live in a republic whereby the government has put in place a mechanism that recognises that business owners deserve a second chance. You know, the wealth creators in the economy, the entrepreneurs who go out there and take a risk. And like that's why it's there. It's there to save viable enterprises and thereby save jobs in the local community. Um, and the success rate, as you say, Is really high, and it's certainly, in my view, because we've seen. I suppose I'm biased because I've seen so many of the successful outcomes of these. I've I've met the employees whose jobs have been saved. So I look. I've, I suppose, that's the influence on me in my career. But I just would would hope that businesses will say, okay, there is another option there, if I find myself in difficulty, because the success rate is really, really high once the business gets into the process.
1: And Neil, for business owners that owe a lot of money to their banks suppliers, landlords, and or the revenue at this stage, when they decide to engage with somebody like yourself, what process do you bring them through?
0: The very first thing that I do, Carl, is I ask them to tell me everything positive about their business. There's an awful lot of business owners that I would meet and, unfortunately, they, they cannot see the wood for the trees. They can be punch drunk from, you know, so many months of um, of pressure. And I think it's really important that you recapture the enthusiasm that business owners had when they went into business in the first place. You know, there normally is a very good reason why somebody is in business, because they've got an excellent product, they provide excellent service, they may be experts themselves of what they do, and so therefore they have got a really good core to that business. And what I try and do when I meet them is to try and, first of all, make sure that that is rekindled, that enthusiasm is rekindled in the business, because that forms then the platform upon which you build a restructuring plan it's on all of the good things that are there and you need to kind of work out what they are set them out and say right those are the things we're going to protect those are that's the reason why we're doing this is because that's why that's what made us successful in the first place so once you move through that then you have to obviously get into the specifics of you know what creditors are out there how are you going to deal with that what does a scheme look like how are we going to fund a scheme you know, can we get some new finance into the business? Can we, you know, are we going to have a trading surplus maybe in late 21 when the demand is unleashed again? When all of the people's savings, which have gone up, by, I think, 20 billion, you know, in the last few months, the personal savings, when all of that is unleashed on the economy, you know, can we, how do we make sure we get every cent of that that we can? Um, you know, is there maybe a new investor that we can bring to bear here? Can we bring in new private equity, for example, of which there are a huge amount of providers now in the marketplace, or maybe a challenger bank, which wasn't there in the last recession? You know, all those all those kind of options. Have we claimed every subsidy and grant that's going? You know, that's why people pay their taxes. That's why you pay corporation tax and employers' PSI. All of those options. Those are the those are the building blocks of a recovery plan, um, and they're the ingredients then that is going to make a success of the restructuring process.
1: From my reading of the market, businesses have no time to waste in relation to this because the Employment Wage Support Scheme is due to end on the 31st of March. And of course, that deadline date of June is the date by which employers need to engage with revenue commissioners in relation to how they're going to repay that tax warehouse debt.
0: Well, one thing I do now is create a new business plan, Carl. That's, that's, that's what really people should be doing. There's absolutely no point in, in just kind of sleepwalking into, you know, through the next few months. And I think you're quite right. I think if businesses don't have their plan in order, if they don't have a, you know, written down, by the way, I mean, very hard to, to fudge something if you, if you actually have to write it down. So I think business owners listening, they really should say, right, I'm going to have now my recovery business plan. We're going to set it out, including the financials, including the people that we need, you know, who in the team do we need over, you know, June, July, August, what does that look like? Build the business back up. Um, so that would be my uh, sort of the top piece of advice. And that will tell its own tale as to what is likely to unfold for the business. Um, so I, I think that's the first thing that every business owner has to be doing for the next you know, the next few weeks. Because we have to start thinking more positively. You know, we are, okay, we're in a dark place right now as an economy. There's no, no point in saying otherwise. But we are probably 60-odd percent through this now, heading for maybe two-thirds through it. It's nearly going on a year. And we're now looking at the next, say, five or six months. So we have to start thinking about a, a summer recovery, particularly in the south east, obviously we're a we're a holiday county. We we have to we have to make sure that we capture every uh, euro that's going in terms of the domestic vacation market, which is likely to be again very very strong. And businesses have to be positioned to be able to do that.
1: Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Neil Hughes, the managing partner with Baker Tilly, and I'd like to thank Neil for sharing his knowledge with us this morning. And it is important to stress that if you are worried about the viability of your business post-pandemic, now is the time to take action and to put a plan in place.
0: Southeast Radio's Business Matters with
1: Carl Fitzpatrick.